better be blotted. You better be more than ready, dummy. You better be more than ready, sir. Listen to me again. You better be more than ready for me. Because I am the bad. I can feel you right now. I can feel your heart right now. I feel you right now. I can feel your heart beat. And it should be that way. Because you ain't never seen death in his face. You ain't never seen in person, in faith. Now you do. And you're going to understand. Speak the way I speak. Why the things I say. You're going to understand where I came from. You're going to feel every bit of me. I promise you that. This is not a game. This is where you've been introduced in the heavyweight division, Dominique. It starts with me. And I'm a fool. Welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where... Purse bids are getting lost, fights aren't getting made, takeovers aren't happening. I mean, only in boxing could so many bullets pierce so many people's feet. Like, we, we just have a gift of shooting ourselves in the foot. But yes, look, you've seen the title, you know what we're going to talk about. And this will be a shorter episode, because I think I did a lot of the talking in the previous episode, although it was a different angle, because at that time it looked like zone would have got their skates on and actually closed the deal. That's what you would have expected. And instead, we're here now going, how have zone managed to do a Ronnie Rosenthal? Um, if, if you've seen that, his shot, was it Liverpool versus Aston Villa? You'll understand what I mean. That's probably just aged me. So for the younger fans, it's called missing an open goal. So if we go back, I think it might have been episode number 76, when the title was, you know, DAZN about to relegate Eddie Hearn because it looked like DAZN were going to take over BT Sport, get access to the Premier League rights. And so, you know, Eddie Hearn suddenly shuffles down the list. It's what it, it's what it all looked like. You know, we saw a lot of activity at boardroom level. You know, James Rushton's sort of become like, what's he now, co-founder and like chief happiness officer now. And so they brought in Shay Segev, you know, who's more tech-driven. So we, we kind of saw where things were going. But we felt actually BT Sport, they, they've agreed the price, the price is okay. But everything that's happened probably in the last few hours, 24 to 36 hours, would show mm, things went wrong. So part of this is little bits we've been able to glean from the situation. And part of it is just me you know, applying from my experience of, you know, takeovers and strategy, what should happen and what could happen next. So in the last episode, really bullish on it happening. I thought, yeah, it'd be a good deal. Um, not a good deal for Hearn because he's no longer the DAZN guy because I'll have their football guy and their rugby guy and their cricket guy. And I, I cautioned at the time that, you know, Discovery were having talks. And actually the Discovery proposition the joint venture posed the question of, do you take 530 million pounds for 80% or do you build something with discovery and the muscle they have that could be worth four or 5 billion in five years time when you divest it or it gets subsumed by discovery, which could also happen. So that was always the question, and there was, there, was never, there was never a clear answer because I wasn't accountable for that decision, but that was always going to be the decision the board had to make because you've got to recommend to your shareholders that, this, that whichever deal it is is approved. 
And my suspicion is people thought they were giving away the zone cheaply, uh, giving away BT Sport to the zone a bit too cheaply, considering what they'd invested up until that point. Now, BT Sport was profitable. It is profitable. And you know, in a content industry, that's, that's a massive achievement. But does that profitability justify the, the fee they were charging? I don't think the price went up. I think the zone were looking for more favorable terms in the wider scheme of things because it's not just the acquisition cost that's an issue. It's your integration costs as well. So your integration costs are how much it's going to cost you to bring the tech platforms in line. You might have to upgrade some of BT stuff. You might have to upgrade some of your stuff. You're going to have to lay people off. And that comes with severance commitments and pension commitments and so on and so forth. You're going to have to terminate certain supplier contracts. That also comes with costs. So that $530 million you're paying might only be 30% of the total cost. It might be 70% of the total cost. But integration costs are scary. And integration timelines are never guaranteed. And so that was always going to be DAZN's problem. How do you persuade your backers, the people you've got debts with, so, you know, your investors, your creditors, how do you sit them down and say, actually, we're going to spend another seven, eight hundred million building this DAZN BT thing on top of the seven hundred million plus debt we already have? that we've demonstrated no way of paying off, by the way, right? We've demonstrated no way of paying off, and all that keeps us going is the fact that we're backed by a billionaire. That's the pressure the zone we're under. You've got to make this deal happen, but you can't go crazy on the costs. And I imagine once they did the tech due diligence, it was looking expensive. Once you do the organizational due diligence, it's looking expensive. Oh, what? We're going to have to pay off Frank Warren? Now it's looking expensive. And my tip for everyone is don't look at this from a boxing perspective. This is a deal that happens at levels way above Eddie Hearn and anybody else. And when you look at it from that perspective, when Discovery come in and say, here's, a, here's our proposal to you, because this is what they proposed. We do a 50-50 joint venture, our UK business, your UK business. 50-50. We, we both put into the pot and we share the benefits, right? Now, what does that mean? We all know that we don't really watch Eurosport in this country, do we? Unless it's a Tour de France, then you probably do. Or if it's the Winter Olympics, then maybe. There, there's certain things you do and maybe some like Dutch kickboxing. right? That, that's really what you, Eurosport is... To us, Eurosport is essentially the zone without the boxing. Just loads of fringe sports. And what the partnership with BT does is it gives BT additional content. It gives BT, you know, Olympic coverage. So you get, you get real gold-plated rights, unlike what they currently have. Now, they've got, they've got the Premier League and so forth, but they don't have anything that's global like the Olympics. So you get, that, you get the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, the Tour de France which will draw in new audiences because you kind of saturated football, rugby and cricket. Now you're looking for the fans of other sports. So who, people who love the Olympics, will they now take out a BT subscription to go, I can get everything here. These are the questions, right? The zone couldn't offer that breadth of right. And then 
if you look to to move beyond sport, because right now the JV is just for sport. If you look to move beyond sport into a broader content offering, and you've got the Discovery and Discovery trying to buy Warner and their content, you suddenly have a powerhouse behind you that becomes a credible UK broadcaster. And in, in this modern era where between attention and content, you probably have most of your revenue streams. Yeah. BT's now in a position to attract different sponsors. The people who watch the Tour de France may not watch the Premier League. They may not watch the cricket. They may not watch the rugby. You've now got new audiences and they tend to be more affluent because you're spending six, seven grand on a bike. You have a few quid to spare. Same with the Winter Olympics. You might get more people involved. And so that's how you grow your subscriber base, right? Because if you go back, we told you they were losing... They lost 2 million subscribers in a period of three years. So from 3.5 million to 1.6. So into all of this, this is what you're, if you're a COO or a CTO, if you're a non-exec director, this is what you're wrestling with. It's not about, do I prefer Eddie Hearn or Frank Warren? It's about what will give our shareholders the greatest value. Bearing in mind, the guys making the decision probably have shares in the company. So they're looking at that going, how do we get richer? And apparently the answer is not with the zone. Now, having done, having done the internships and all of that in this sort of field, one of the things I've learned is, and it's much like music, shouts out to Adrian The Remedy and all the other guys who make music. Most of the stuff you make that you really fall in love with happens quickly. You know, I was listening to... Uh, what do you call it? Breathe and Stop by Q-Tip from things like the late 90s. And that beat was made by a guy called Jay Diller. And if you listen to that beat, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite beats because it's nigh impossible to make something in this day and age that beautiful yet that simple. But apparently that beat took 20 minutes to make. It's a classic. There are other beats that are unbelievably complex. You only have to listen to someone like a Ryan Leslie and they take forever and they're quite painful. And I say that just to illustrate the point that Good deals don't take a lot of time to get over the line. Even if it's boxing, Fury Wilder didn't take a lot of time to get over the line. You know, even in football, Liverpool buying what's-his-name, Diaz, it didn't take a lot of time to get over the line. The ones that do are the ones that where you're, where you're not sure. So when we saw this one, there were ups and downs and there were bumps in the road and it felt towards the end like they were limping over the finish line. The zone were tired, BT were tired. And when that happens, you get the feeling both parties are looking for something better. The zone looking for a better deal, BT looking for a better deal and maybe a better partner, a more reliable partner. And so you wonder, were they using each other? You'd like to think not, because now the zone don't have that many options. But normally deals like this, if they're good deals, they don't take long to complete. The fact that this took so long to complete was was a red flag in many ways and you can understand why but now that it's not done and i think the design chairman came out and said it wasn't economic at this point to do so would suggest to me that the bankers that they owe money to said no i imagine the people who they had to ask to to use the rights were like we're not going to enable another competitor no thanks um, we we couldn't move Amazon out the way, but we can damn sure move you out the way. And it just became hard. The deal 
wasn't the deal they thought they were getting. And so this is where you end up. You end up going, right, we don't have BT Sport. What the hell do we do now? I just want to... So let's you know, let's start to focus in because I don't want this to take half an hour. So let's zero in on what do you do if you're zone right now and you can't get BT Sport, right? And you've got to think about things that can happen in the next year and a half to two years because... If you don't demonstrate viability at that point, your creditors are going to start calling in and saying, you might need to sell all of this stuff, right? So what you can do is say, can we be a, a third party to the BT discovery deal? And say, well, you know, let's build something special here. But that's a long shot because you already had your chance. You can go and try and find some other rights so you you then go right we're not going to spend anything on any we're not spending anything on anything we're not spending money on boxing we're not spending money on all these other rights we have until we secure football rights that's another option you get premier league rights you're you're kind of there but the deal is going to take so long to renew they haven't got enough to keep going. They won't generate enough growth to keep going that long. And then you look and you go, do you now double down on boxing? Do you now look to Eddie and do you now look to Oscar? Do you then try and do a deal with Al Heyman and say, Al, what's it going to cost to bring your stable here? Because if you've got half a billion to spend, Al Heyman can come over for half a billion. He's done it before. Is that going to get you your United States growth? Maybe, but boxing's a niche sport. The fact that boxing's been kicked out of the 2028 Olympics tells you this is a niche sport. You couldn't do that with track and field. So the zones, it's difficult. And I know now people want to go, so what does this mean for Eddie Hearn? Well, what it clearly means is there's nothing in the coffers. Right, we, we can take that as given. There's nothing in the coffers because who's going to want to pay to put on AJ versus whoever when there are debts to pay off, when there's tech to invest in? No one. How do you describe where the zone are right now? It's like Scarface, right? Scarface could be whoever he wanted as long as he had Manny by his side. And once Manny went, he was so cruelly exposed it was just a matter of time before he got taken out. And I think that's where Dezona, they came, they came to this game nearly four years ago talking about they had a billion to spend. Why wouldn't you have just spent that billion on BT Sport back then? They thought they could do it themselves. The fact that they've come to BT indicates they can't do it themselves. And that poses a problem. You've now shown weakness. You've shown that for all the hype and the graphics and this, that, and the third, and the Eddie Hearn bluster, and the Joel Markovsky bluster, uh, you know, having had this guy on board and that guy on board, what we now understand is DeZono in a very weak position, heavily laden with debt, no marquee sports rights to talk of, and no growth in established and mature sporting markets where most of the revenue is. So what will we see happen? So the first thing you'll see happen is, Obviously, you start selling advertising on the platform, right? 
because you can't put your, your rates up just yet because it's not long ago that they put them up. So you start to see advertising because they realize we need all the money we can get. But you're not even that lucrative because you're not that big. Then you see the subscription charge go up because that was, that was what was going to happen with BT Sport. They're just going to put it up and say, well, it's more than you're ch being charged now, but it's less than you'd have paid for BT. Right? So that's kind of where they're at. You know, let's get whatever revenue we can. I think the next thing they'll start to look at will be what are the growth sports? What are the sports that the youngsters are most concerned about right now? Do we need to get the X Games? Do we need to get, I don't know, the free running world championships? Do we need to go into esports? That's what you're going to see. And I think esports will be an interesting play for them. Growing market, very young market, so you can cradle to grave these guys. But, you know, comes with a lot of investment because it's not hard to, or it's not easy to stream live sports. But on the upside, they're a tech player. And when you're a tech player, you can make these things happen. Because their leadership, I think, is more tech-focused now, so that can happen. But I'm going to give you my, my real theory in all of this. And I, I said it years ago, and I think it's still true now. If you really look at DAZN and its proposition and its footprint and everything about DAZN, its most comfortable fit, its most ideal solution is to work with Sky. Geographically, they occupy a lot of the same spaces. Uh, Sky as a brand isn't strong in the United States or North America in general, or even Central America. So Sky can then move to grow in those markets and their big population markets. Sky, you know, have a presence in Australia, but is it strong enough? Don't know. And the same in Europe and Japan. The footprints align so neatly I think a lot of people have gone over from Sky in its various locations over to DAZN, so culturally there'll be some alignment there too. And it would explain why Sky give DAZN so little oxygen. I would be confident that Sky were the people who said we won't approve DAZN having the Premier League rights because what you want to do is you want to suffocate them. You want that debt to pass so high that actually what you're doing is you're taking over a company and just committing to pay down a proportion of that debt. So that becomes a really cheap acquisition. I, I think the long-term play, I'm not, going to say, I'm not going to say it will happen, but it's what should happen, is you let the zone flounder for a bit, let its perceived value diminish, and you just take it over. And there's any number of reasons for this. So number one, what it will allow Sky to do is to consolidate its sports business into a separate entity, Right, So I can now say, right, my Sky subscription is £40 a month. I get the sport package, I pay an extra eleven ninety nine a month. Done. Yeah, At eleven ninety nine, that sports business might become self-sustaining. The other thing is, I can bring in all this technology they're working on, right? And hopefully DAZN will be working on stuff like eSports and building technology around that. Sky have demonstrated themselves not to be that great with technology. So there's a synergy there because they don't seem to trample on each other's footprints from a tech perspective. It would also give DAZN access to pay-per-view. What it would also do is it would give DAZN access to a proposition that's not just sport. There's sport, there's entertainment, there's current affairs. So 
they're more visible. You plug into that sky system and you market yourself. So I can see that being the long-term play because you don't need the zone and sky in Germany. Just merge them. Italy, merge them. Australia, merge them. UK, merge them. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, the two big billionaires at the head of each organization aren't there going, we've got to do this. So I don't think it's all over for DAZN. I don't think it's all over for Eddie Hearn. I just think we're going to see a couple of years of mediocrity from DAZN and then someone will buy them. And I think it will be Sky. What that does for Eddie Hearn afterwards, no idea. Don't be surprised if Eddie Hearn just decides you know, to become his own broadcaster. That wouldn't surprise me either. But I think the real play, if you look at the zone, is, is to work with Sky. I don't see there being another route out of this. You, okay, okay, no, let's, let's say it again. Work with the Murdoch group because they may get taken out by Fox or someone else. I don't see there being another player that it makes sense for them to work with. I just don't. Footprint-wise and technology-wise, proposition-wise, no, they don't have the war chest anymore to compete with these guys. And they're definitely not going to get things like the NFL rights and the NBA rights being riddled with so much debt. From a BT perspective, Frank Warren lives again. And maybe this explains why Frank was never worried about DAZN. In every interview, he said, we'll be fine. He'd keep saying, we'll be fine. We're okay. We'll be fine. We will still be on BT Sport this time next year. Don't worry about us. He probably knew what was happening. So this has just been an impressive start to the year from Frank Warren. Let's, let's salute him. The fact that he can, he can sit there confidently saying, look, I've got Fury versus White. I don't need Eddie sending me Joshua Boatsy over. I'm not trying to make him, you know, I'm not trying to build him up. I mean, why would I do that? So Frank's had a, a good start and it looks like he'll be with BT for the duration of his contract and onwards and upwards for him. As for Eddie he better hope there's still a home for him at Sky. And I think I said this when he left. I said, he'll keep everything cordial with Sky because I have a feeling they'll have to work together again. Don't forget, he's got the, the darts, the fishing, the snooker, all on Sky. So if you bring Sky into zone together, he might actually be really important in bringing those two together. But time will tell. I don't think that's going to happen soon, but I think you will see the Sky to zone kind of merger, joint venture, whatever you want to call it. I think that's what you're going to see at some point because that's their only deal. If they don't do that, they're pretty much dead in the water. There you go, 20 minutes. Nicely done. Uh, on that note, I'll sign off. So you guys got, you got two podcasts in the space of like three hours. You can thank me later. Cheers, guys. Bye. Yeah, come on, then, love it. What are you saying? What are you saying? You, you want to have it outside the big? I hope you're ready. What? I hope you're ready for love. Mate, you're going to get fucking battered. I'm telling you. You know, I'm look, we could die. Look, we could argue all day